Welcome to the Filipino American Woman Project, also known as Tifa Project for short, a podcast show that features stories and life lessons told by American women of Filipino descent. We're your co-hosts, Jen Amos. And I'm Nani Dominguez. And thank you for joining us. If today's conversation resonates with you, text us and let us know at 415-484-8329. And if you want to show us some love, buy us boba at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Jen and Nani. It says coffee, but we love boba. Again, that's www.buymeacoffee.com slash Jen and Nani. Awesome. With that said, thank you all for your love and support. Now let's get into the show. Welcome back. Jen Amos here. And of course, with my co-host, Nani Dominguez. Nani, welcome back. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Yes. And we just want to give a quick announcement before we get into today's conversation, because we were very fortunate to be able to be at the Asian American Podcasters Association's inaugural Asian Podcast Festival, I think last weekend at the time of this recording. And really excited. We're going to be actually sharing the recording with you in a second. But before we get into that, Nani, last weekend, we had, I mean, at the time of this recording, of course, you know, (laughs) last weekend, our last live workshop was a panel with the Filipino MomCast with Rowan, Lynn, and Marianne. And so shout out to those ladies. And I think at the time of this recording, you can still watch it. It's still public. So go ahead and watch that before we pull it off and put it on Chismas with Jen and Nani. Yeah, that was just a, such a special day or amount of time that we were able to spend with them. And yeah, I'm just really grateful for having them all there. All of their workshops individually were amazing and connected, even though I don't think they planned it that way. And so having them all there in one space at one time with us was really nice. And I don't even remember what all we talked about. I feel like we went (laughs) off on several tangents, like we always do, but you know, that's how it always is with those ladies, whether we're talking to one or all of them, we seem to just be sitting in like our virtual living room, just casually talking, just like you would with family at a family gathering. And that's really what it felt like. So it was nice to kind of just unwind and have some unproductive, unplanned time with them. We didn't approach that conversation with any agenda. We were just we were just talking. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I feel like it was sort of just a whole love fest of all of us just sharing how much we appreciate each of the work we're all doing, you know, Marianne with her coaching, Lynn also with her coaching, actually. I Mm -hmm. I mean, they all, they're all like coaches in their own way. And, you know, Rowan being a therapist and just talking about her experiences. And I don't know about you, but I saw a little bit of ourselves in them, Nani. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like Marianne's kind of like me where she's like, okay, let's do this, be the go-getter. And then it seems like Lynn sort of is the piggybacker. And then Rowan just kind of jumps in for the expert advice. And I feel like Rowan's kind of our Stacey (laughs) on our show. So it's really cool. That's how I perceived it. And it was really cool to see that and to witness that and see how they all, you know, co-host together. Yeah. It was truly like family. It feels like a family to be around them and to be talking to them. And, you know, they are so wise and they all, you know, especially as moms, Mm -hmm. they all have so much to share and it it never feels like they're momming you, you know? Yeah. So again, we really appreciate that and appreciate them for joining us. 
<laughs> yeah. Even after the recording, we spent nearly an hour just giving you mom advice or baby. <laughs> I know. I wish we recorded that. <laughs> I know, right? I was like, I need to secretly turn the recording back on because I know Nani would really appreciate just like yes. having all this in her back pocket. When I should have know. been taking notes, but again, grateful for their, you know, the connection that we have with them. And I feel definitely comfortable reaching out to them to ask them those questions again after my baby is here and I forget everything that they said. <laughs> I know all plans, all preparations. I hear Go that out the window. quite often, right? You just forget. And it's just like, you're just in the moment and you're like, what's important right now. Yeah. And so, but yeah, I'm so glad that we had a chance to talk to them, especially for you, Nani, because you know, you are about to have a child, you know? And so it must've been just so great to you know, have that moment in time with all of the mothers who are already, you know, established with three to five, I think collectively they have like 15 kids, you know, like I think Marianne has five, Rowan has four, Lynn, I think has is two, I believe. So it just lots of kids, lots of advice. And, you know, one thing I liked about that conversation is I did hint in the conversation. I was like, you know, I know that you're all mothers, but I didn't talk about your kids at all on purpose because I wanted this to be your time. And then they were like, thank you. Of course it is our time. Yes. This is about us. (laughs) I just really, I I hope they really appreciated that. You know, I, I feel like I did it intentionally because yeah, I think very often a mother puts everyone else first. Right. And so to give them that spotlight and also to applaud them for giving themselves a spotlight through their podcast show, the Filipino mom cast. And so You know, once again, to our listeners, if you want to watch the replay of that, that is still available at the time of this recording, go ahead and check us out on YouTube or Facebook. We still have the replay of those live videos. You can look that up. And then of course, when it is taken off, it'll be available at biasboba.com on our private podcast show, Chismas with Jen and Nani. But I'm really excited about that because we're going to have our first, you know, four exclusive episodes, Nani, once this is all done. And then from there, we're going to be releasing some actually real exclusive content, such as our interview with your dad coming up. So any quick thoughts about that? Yeah. So the purpose of that fireside chat or roundtable discussion with all of the co-hosts of the Filipino MomCast was to wrap up our initial launch series for Chismas with Jen and Nani, which it just went so beautifully. I could not have asked for more. And I'm so glad that, you know, we did it with them and opened with the Filipino MomCast, especially given my, you know, personal situation about to become a mom. That really meant a lot to me. And yeah, I think it was a great kind of precursor to the kind of information that we're going to be diving into now as we kind of protect that platform even more and start releasing more and more personal information, such as Christmas sessions about things going on in our social lives or interviews with our family members that are not Filipino American women, such as my Filipino American male father. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, look forward to that for Father's Day if you're a member. And if not, you can become a member on biasboba.com. If you are a regular listener of the Tifa Project, then you probably already have a lot of context and a lot of insight into at least my perspective on my relationship with my dad and how much I'm looking forward to really diving into that with him. And I have a long list of questions (laughs) ready for him that you guys will definitely want to grab your popcorn and your tea or your slushies or your alcoholic drinks, whatever your preference is (laughs) to tune into that one, because I'm sure it will be an interesting conversation 
And, you know, I'm excited to really just delve into like open up more personally on that platform. And I know that people are always really curious about us as co-hosts and individuals and want to know more about our lives and our backgrounds. And so this is us responding to that and giving that to you guys and shedding light on our experiences, as well as the community that we have built and really shining the focus on them and what they're doing today. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, thank you for elaborating on that, Nani. And, you know, this is, again, just like what Nani said, this is in response to all of your feedback and wanting to get us, get to know us more. I thought it was fascinating, even looking at the stats that the initial episodes of us being together, like those episodes are more downloaded than some of the guests. Sometimes are like, Oh, okay. People like hearing from us <laughs> like yeah. say about the world. And, you know, I often hear this in the podcasting community that people come for the guests, but they stay for the hosts, you know, and mm-hmm. it's just been so cool that so many of you, a lot of our day ones have been with us throughout this whole time and continue to engage with us. And we can't thank you enough. I want to give a quick shout out Nani to Sapphire who actually bought us three cup bobas. Oh, thank you, Sapphire. Yeah, so shout out to Sapphire. She's been on our show twice already. So if you want to check her out, she is episode 52 as well as episode 76. And she was actually there at the inaugural Asian podcast festival. And just a quick note here. She just said that you're both amazing. So thank you, Sapphire. We think you're amazing too. (laughs) Yes, we're equally fangirling over you. And yeah, yeah, I remember reflecting on the recording that you guys are about to hear from the inaugural Asian podcast festival Mm -hmm. that Sapphire asked a question that I think we get asked a lot, or that maybe a lot of our listeners want to know or are curious about, which is how do you bring up kind of those taboo, touchy topics, stuff that we talk about here on the show with your family or with your parents or elders who may not necessarily agree with your viewpoints or be as open-minded to receive your perspective, but that it's really important that you have those conversations with them. She was asking our advice on, on how to approach those kinds of conversations or intergenerational conflicts, if you will. So definitely stay tuned for the end of this episode to hear our take on that and how we answered that question. But I thought that I would give that as a little foreshadowing to what you're about to listen to in this episode. Yeah. I'm so glad that you brought that up because when I was listening to the replay, the initial edit of our recording, yeah, that question really stood out to me at the very end. And, you know, I was listening to it and I thought like, man, I kind of wish I said a little bit more because it is, I mean, it's a really tough question to answer. I mean, obviously Mm -hmm. you and I, Nani are very open about it on our show and we address these topics with the people we bring on, but you know, what happens when you're not listening to the podcast? What happens when you actually need to apply it, you know, amongst your family? And it's a really tough conversation. And so we hope that you stick around to the end of the recording here to hear our conversation with Sapphire and what we have to share with her. So a little bit more about the Asian podcast festival, apparently, according to the Asian American podcasters association. This was the first ever Asian podcast festival, Nani, like ever. And Lee, who was hosting it the entire day from 1130 AM to like 9 PM at night, because her (laughs) co-host unfortunately couldn't make it. But I was just, I remember at the very end, I hung out to the very end. And I, at the end, she was thanking everyone. I was like, Lee, like, we got to thank you because like, 
you know, I get exhausted listening to one whole interview. You listen to all of our podcast shows and you asked us very specific questions about our recording. And so I really just want to give a shout out to Lee and obviously Andy, who couldn't be there, but he was very much behind the scenes. But those two are the co-hosts of Asian American Podcasters, the podcast show, as well as running the Asian American Podcasters Association. So I just want to give a shout out to Lee and Andy and, you know, thank them for inviting us to be on the show. And so really what this festival was about, Nani, is, you know, a lot of Asian podcasters came together to do a live recording of their show. And for us, because at the time we just did our presentation at the Belosan Center about Panay Podcasters, an academic paper, we had decided to do it again, <laughs> but not really like the same exact conversation. I think we expounded upon the Mata Clara archetype, as well as covered other parts of the presentation that I didn't have time. For example, giving a shout out to some of the feedback we've had, a shout out to Leia, who, you know, I wasn't able to mention on Friday and also Giselle and just kind of how we were quoting them in the academic paper. But I'm curious to know on your end, Nani, how was that experience for you to kind of do that live recording in front of everyone? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I appreciated that coming after our workshop at the Belosan Center conference, because at that conference, we were working with a very like strict and limited timeline. And at the podcast festival, they definitely gave us a lot more like screen time, I guess you could say. And Lee was all about, you know, wanting to know every detail, like you said, asking a bunch of questions about how we went about the paper, how the paper came to be, even asking us questions about like our relationship as co-hosts and how we've established, you know, our partnership as like business women, I guess you can say. Yeah. Our um, verbal agreement. Cause she was all yeah. like, you guys have an agreement. We're like, not yet. I mean, not like, yet mom. You love. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> no mom. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. But no, I appreciated her like wanting to dig in that way because yeah. it did take a lot to produce this, this research paper. It was very out of our comfort zone and it is a culmination of like everything that we've learned yeah. from doing this podcast. And so I appreciate that like outsider looking in like probing in order for me to reflect on it because it took so much work to get here that I think once we were done, I kind of like shut it out and stopped thinking (laughs) about it for a minute. And it got me to, you know, just open back up and really think about all the topics that we covered in there and how really radical it is for us to be documenting all of this stuff in this archival format, I guess you can say. So I just really appreciate the chance to present it again and present it in a way where we weren't, you know, trying to fit a bunch of content into this one tiny little slot of time. So yes, it was nice to be able to expand on it. It was nice for people to be able to ask us questions in real time that we could answer. And I'm sure that a lot of the questions and comments that they made in this recording that you're about to listen to are also you know, things that comes up for our audience as they have been listening to the podcast over the last two years. So hopefully you guys will find that kind of Q&A dynamic relatable and helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you mentioning that about, you know, someone such as Lee looking from the outside in, because you're right, like we're very involved in this community now that, you know, to get that outsider feedback, I didn't realize, I guess, the magnitude of that. And so I just want to give a shout out again to Lee and as well as Andy, who couldn't be there from Asian American Podcasters Association to give us an opportunity to record live at the first inaugural Asian podcast festival. And so once again, if you want to have access to our academic paper, you can go to panaipodcasters.com. 
And that's it. We hope that you enjoy this live recording. Obviously, it's not a live recording, but the replay of the live recording. We it was you- live. Y'all yes. missed out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, y'all missed out because I kept stuttering. <laughs> I kept saying, I kept now saying, now it's Dennis been edited, Kirk. so you yeah. can't tell. <laughs> yeah, now you can't tell. Now it sounds professional. But no, it was funny because, like, I don't even know if I was nervous. I think I was still trying to get into the mindset that I kept stuttering, you know? And so it was just, anyway, it was a ton of fun. And thank you, Dennis, for cleaning it up. And of course, to our listeners, Thank you so much for being part of our journey so far. We can't thank you enough. And we hope you enjoy this episode of our live recording at the Asian Podcast Festival. Enjoy. We have a few moments before we get started with, oh my gosh, the Filipino American Woman Project with Jen Amos and Nani Dominguez. And so they are here today to share with us stories and life lessons told by American women of Filipino descent. But they're also going to talk about findings and some research, right, as well. And so we want to hear all about that. But what you need to know about the show, the Filipino American Woman Project is that it features, as I said, stories and life lessons told for Pinay's by Pinay's and they have intimate conversations. And so you really want to tune in for it. And so before we get started with your time slot, Jen and Nani, welcome and tell us about how you came to make the show. Thanks, Lee. Yeah. Well, hi, everyone. I'm Jen Amos, the founder and co-host to the Filipino American Woman Project, also known as Tifa Project for short, because the Filipino American Woman Project is a mouthful, but I like to use the full name on purpose because to give our you know fellow Panais, as is another term for Filipino woman, is a nickname for Panais, but I like to use the name on purpose to purposely encourage all of us to take up space because we already are taking up space. So it's just about owning it. I have my amazing co-host with me who's been on the show for 100 episodes now, Nani Dominguez. Nani, welcome to the show. (laughs) Hello, everyone. Nice to see you all. Yeah. And I guess before we start like the real, real, real recording here, just to answer your question, Lee, the show actually started. It's, it's actually kind of interesting. We actually talked about this last Friday at the Bulosan Center Philippine X Studies virtual research conference just two days ago now. And it's been interesting to reflect on the show because even though the podcast started in summer of 2019, we actually started the project back in December 2016. And around this time, I remember it was in between Christmas and New Year's. I was just doing a Google search of Philippine. American women. And the short of it is I didn't like what I found. (laughs) And I knew at the time I was running a social media agency. I knew that Facebook Live was all the rage at the time. And so I decided to create this project via Facebook Live. And I first brought on guests who I had like three uh, traits that I was looking for. They were, they considered themselves collaborative, articulate, or at least had the desire to speak. And then also just had a general enthusiasm for life. And the reason why I chose all that three is I wanted to you know, surround myself with the panais that I wanted to be around. And I think for a lot of people in our community know, there's a lot of cattiness, a lot of what we call crab mentality, bringing each other down, and just a lot of 
submitting to that and just accepting the fact like, oh, well, you know, people don't want to hear my voice. Therefore, I'm not going to speak up. And so fast forward to summer 2019, I actually went on a hiatus in 2018 because I moved from California to Virginia. And I started the podcast because I was just lonely. I was having a hard time trying to grow roots locally. And uh, fortunately, that's when six episodes into the show is when Nani reached out to me. So Nani, if you want to share a little bit about how you found the show and what compelled you to join me on the Tifa project. Yeah, I was going through a bit of an identity crisis of my own at the time. And I was looking for a way to connect with community and build sisterhood outside of my family, basically, because everything that I know about my Filipina identity obviously stems from my experience with my family. And so I just felt like I needed to kind of branch off from them a little bit and explore the community outside of that on my own. So I found Jen through Instagram, actually, and I just messaged her saying, you know, I love the show so far. I think there were only like four or five episodes out at the time and that I didn't want to be on the show, but I wanted to help produce it and somehow contribute to the project. And so we just jumped on the phone and ended up talking for like two hours about God knows what (laughs) and yeah, everything and anything. And at the end, she just said, why don't you jump on and co-host with me? And I said, okay, I'll try it. And the next day I did. And here we are more than a hundred episodes later, still going and really have grown the show. And I think the most notable point of growth that I have noticed is that a lot of the topics that we talk about on the show that are really culturally taboo topics that are not discussed in our households or at our dinner tables or even in our social circles, we've really been able to normalize those. So things like mental health, decolonization, identity politics, activism, all that kind of stuff, we've really normalize the conversation around. And I've noticed that on a larger scale, not just on our podcast with our guests, but also social media at large and kind of the larger cultural landscape that we are seeing today. So are you two like besties now? <laughs> yes, we are sisters. <laughs> We're sisters for life. <laughs> yeah. Jen is my Ate. <laughs> I like to I like to joke too. Oh, and just for people who don't know about Ate, Ate means like older sister in the Filipino community. And so I never told her to call me that, but it means a lot that you <laughs> called me that. So thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I just gave her that title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. And one other thing that comes to my mind, which is Do you guys have a partnership agreement in place? Oh, like in terms of like business-wise? Right, for the show? Oh yeah, it's been very much verbal, but we are in the process of, we just started like this year to really focus more on monetizing the show. And so that has been in the works. So we're actively working on like a partnership. It's kind of like, oh, here's some money. Okay, let's backtrack and put it on a 1099 kind of thing. So it's kind of that, but we actually been able to branch out of the show and actually work on other projects together because of the connections we've made on our show here. Part of it is actually not just interviewing people, but putting their stories in a book. And so that's one of the newer projects 
projects have been doing that happened organically. We never intended on being in the space. And Nani talks about this a lot. It's like, it's because of the feedback of our community that we realize like, oh, you want this. Okay. We will give this to you. So it's just been a beautiful organic growth. And along the way I was like, oh yeah, we should probably talk about, you know, the revenue share and, <laughs> and all that stuff. So kind of backtracking, right, Nani? <laughs> yeah, no, I think our connection and our approach to the work that we do, like you said, is very just organic. And so I think we're really blessed to be in a situation where we get along so easily and everything is very, you know, mutual. So the contract and the paperwork kind of stuff is, has been on the back burner, but yes, we do intend to get that in order soon. <laughs> no, no. It's, and I bring it up. It's not a negative thing at all. It, it just puts things in the way you'd want them to be going forward. And yeah. it can be, I like to joke about it and say, you know, it can be as simple as an agreement on a napkin. Yeah. I, you know, you agree this, we agree that, but that way it's just something that comes up because sometimes, and the two of you run your show so with togetherness and not everybody does that. And so it was just something that I uh, just came off the top of my head. And it, again, we're live people. This is live. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question. I think it really just highlights, you know, the dynamic between Jen and I is really special because it is truly like working with family. Mm-hmm. You know, we may have just met a couple of years ago, but she's my family. So yeah. That's kind of how we've approached it. <laughs> you know, and that's the thing. Podcasting really brings people together, wouldn't you say? <laughs> like it's changed your life in whatever way. And now, without further ado, you are going to record your episode. Yeah. I mean, we'll just jump into it. Nice. All right. Well, without further ado, let's give it up for the right. Filipino American Woman Project with Jen Amos and Nani Dominguez. Woohoo! All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Filipino American Woman Project, also known as Tifa Project for short. I am your founder and co-host, Jen Amos. And as always, I have my incredible co-host with me who's been with me for over 100 episodes now, Nani Dominguez. Nani, welcome to the show. What's up, everyone? Welcome back. Yes. And just some housekeeping before we get started here. If you want to get a hold of Nani and I, and if this conversation resonates with you today, we have a phone number. You can send us a text message or an audio message because, you know, healthy boundaries, we're not always near our phones. So leave us an audio message or text message at our phone number 415-484-8329. Once again, that's 415-484-8329. So fun fact, the last four letters, 8329 is actually the acronym TFAW, as in the Filipino American woman. All right. So Nani, let me just start by saying how excited I am to be here today with the Asian American Podcasters Association First Asian Podcast Festival. And we have been involved with them really last year in December when the Golden Grain, wow, the Golden Golden Crane Awards. (laughs) Yes, this is what Nani is here for. So the Golden (laughs) Crane Awards. And so Nani, just real quickly, what does it feel like to be back and involved with the Asian American Podcasters Association for you? Yeah, I think that was like in December or sometime in the winter time. So yeah. it just feels like so much time has passed since then. And it's really good to see you all back here in this room. And we're excited to just continue our relationship with the AAP organization. And so, yeah, happy to be here. Thank you all for having us. 
Yes. So at the time of this recording to our listeners who are listening to this after the fact, we are actually doing this live. So it's been so great. We already heard Sapphire do her part as well, who's been on our show twice already. So shout out to Sapphire for being here and for your piece earlier, right before us. And yeah, so we're just really excited to be here today. And it's actually interesting because we already did a live workshop just two days ago, Nani, at the 2021 Bolosan Philippine X Studies Virtual Research Conference. And I just want to give this to you all in advance if you want to look this up. The replay of our workshop is already available at panaipodcasters.com. Go ahead and check that out if you want to go ahead and read our academic paper, which is titled Panay Podcasters, Building a Self-Sustaining Community Through Storytelling, Collective Healing, and Learning and Collaboration. So a little backstory on this. First and foremost, I have not been in college for a decade. And we had a good friend, Stacy Salinas, who is one of the co-founders of the Bulosan Philippine X Center at UC Davis, reach out to us saying, hey, you should write an academic paper about your podcast. Nani, when you first heard that, what were your initial thoughts to come together and write an academic paper for our show? Yeah, I mean, I was honored that Stacy asked us and I thought it sounded like a fun idea, although I did not go to traditional college. So I didn't necessarily know what that meant <laughs> or all that it entailed in terms of like the formatting, the length and kind of just the extensiveness that ended up going into it. So I think it was a lot more labor than I had originally thought. But again, so grateful to Stacy for pushing us to, to do that and to meet the deadline and attend the conference and present it. And I feel very accomplished now that that part is over, although we still have plans to continue and make it into some sort of ebook that will be more geared towards our audience. So it will go through several iterations and we have even more editing and adding and things to do with it, but it was definitely a labor of love <laughs> to yeah. get here. Absolutely. And, you know, as I mentioned before we started recording, Nani is really the writer between us. And so Nani, I just have to say publicly again for just taking the time. It was almost like a full-time <laughs> job for you <laughs> to actually take everything that I would put in an audio recording, transcribe it, send it to you, and then you make it sound really pretty. <laughs> In thank the paper. You. And so I just want to thank you again so much for doing that. And, you know, part of what we were talking about offline is the partnership we have together not only has been shown on the show, but now has gone off the show where we are actually helping people amplify their stories in book form. And so, again, we never planned to do that, but we just love the fact that this community continues to speak to us and asks us what they want. And more importantly, the fact that more of us are taking up space and want to take up space and want to work together to take up space, whether it's on podcasts your book form and any other medium. I'm really happy about it. I'm satisfied about it. Nani, want to see if you had any other thoughts about that? Yeah, no, I appreciate the recognition as always. So thank you. And it's just, again, makes me feel very accomplished in a sense that, you know, this is our passion project. It's the work that we do outside of our work. And so it really goes to show how much that can pay off if you really just have the courage to explore your authentic narrative and what it is you want to do. And even if that means, you know, staying up after hours outside of the hours of nine to five to, to do that, you can really create opportunity for yourself. And it's basically an example of what it means to define your own success. 
Yeah, absolutely. So now I bet our listeners are probably wondering, what is this paper about? Like y'all keep talking about it. Y'all keep hinting at it. You're telling me to visit the website, but tell me what this is about. And essentially, Nani, I like to say that this paper is a long love letter to our community. We really dive into the start of the podcast, why it began, and more importantly, how it started to become a sense of responsibility as the episodes went on to continue to show up and amplify our stories. As I mentioned, you had written a lot of the paper. So I want to see if there's anything else you want to add for our listeners to know who have yet to attend our live workshop or read the paper yet. Any thoughts you want to share with them that, you know, they can look forward to when they read this academic paper? So the main part is about building a self-sustaining community. And I think that that's just so important for us. And basically what we're trying to allude to with why we feel so passionate about podcasting, why we choose this platform, because it is a way for us to carve space for ourselves and set our own standards of success. Like I was kind of hinting at before, instead of, you know, chasing after those conventional stamps of approval, if you will, from institutions like academia or corporate America, which so many of us struggle to do. And even if we are kind of forcing ourselves into it because of familial or cultural expectations, we really find ourselves like so unhappy or so unfulfilled for whatever reasons, because it's not what we want to be doing. So this is really a space where we can carve opportunities for ourselves to do that. And I think that this paper just really goes into detail about that. And again, the direction of this show, everything, the growth of this show, everything that's happened on the TIFA project has really been a direct result of the feedback that we've gotten from the community, the conversations that we've had with our guests and all the information that they've contributed, all the stories that they've shared to open up this dialogue between us and our community. And so it's really a direct result of the collective and the voices that we hear in response to the content that we put out. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been listening to the Asian Podcast Festival from the beginning so far. So shout out to everyone that's here. And there was something that Angela Chi from The Power of Only brought up toward the end of her conversation. And she talked about the importance of not being afraid to take up space. And the reason why I bring that up is because sometimes, Nani, we need to know why we are afraid of taking up space to begin with. I think when we can start unpacking that, maybe we can almost be angry at the fact that, oh my gosh, I can't believe I told myself this lie that I shouldn't take up space. And the most interesting thing we have discovered, Nani, on our show, the Filipino American Woman Project, is really unpacking the Maria Clara archetype. Some people pronounce it differently. Some people say Mata Clara archetype. But just let our listeners know just real briefly like who she is. And I'm actually going to read some of the slides (laughs) that we shared. I'm not going to share it here, but I'm going to go ahead and read a couple of the slides that we mentioned at our workshop last Friday. But just give us a little background on who Marie Clara uh, is just real briefly. Yeah, Mara Clara, she's a character from Jose Rizal's first novel, Touch Me Not. If you have not already read that book, it's a great kind of just look into or context into Philippine history and the cultural expectations or gendered expectations, I guess that have been set on Panay's. Her character was really painted as the ideal Panay. And I think so many of us embody it or uphold it in ways that we've been taught to that maybe we don't realize because it's just natural for us. She's this, you know, she's expected to be beautiful and devoted and kind of just take abuse. And she has this history of 
just taking abuse and continuing to be devoted to her abusers in a sense. And so we can also draw a parallel when we look at it in the context of the world and the history of the Philippines as a country, as you know, Maria Clara is kind of a direct parallel to the Philippines as a country and the relationships that it's had with all of its colonizers throughout the years. So yes, if you want to read the slides, we can go into more detail there. Yes, I got you, Nani. Yeah, so when I describe Mata Clara to you, I want you to not just think about her because she's actually a fictional character, but think more about what she symbolizes for the ideal of Filipina or Panay, as well as how it symbolized the Philippines as a whole. So Mata Clara archetype. Beautiful, devoted, subservient mestiza. So mestiza means um, uh, someone of mixed descent. So for example, you know, Nani is half Russian American. She's Russian American and Filipina. I'm not going to say half because you are both, Nani. You are both. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> beautiful, devoted, subservient mestiza who, despite her sought after status and perceived perfect appearance, maintains a life of sacrifice while experiencing event after event of misfortune and gendered mistreatment on her abuser's behalf. Mata Clara's character and disposition can be drawn as a retroactive parallel to the Philippines and the relationships it has with each of its colonizers. This parallel further explains the broken expounding of the Philippine ex-American identity today and why her narrative as the ideal Filipina is harmful to us. Her fable depicts a country that is beautiful and elegant, but at the same time, powerless and weak against the chauvinistic sources that seek to control it. To paint her character as the ideal Panay underpins the notion that we should accept and normalize being deprived of our liberty and that it is a part of our duty to allow abusive treatment from others. That last part I actually underlined for myself, Nani, because I think about, I guess, all the abuse I welcomed in my life and not even questioning, like, I would feel bad if I made someone else feel bad. <laughs> but, and let me know if you've ever experienced this. I would feel bad if I made someone else feel bad, but I wouldn't care if people made me feel bad. Even simple mm -hmm. things of like, oh, someone didn't show up for their meeting. Like, oh, that's okay. Like they didn't show up for my meeting. No worries. But I would feel bad if I didn't show up to their meeting. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like just being okay with other people mistreating us. And I never really questioned it. It felt normal. And so to read this, to know that this is part of our history, to know that this is how we were supposed to be, supposed to model after, it angers me. <laughs> so yeah. any thoughts on that, Nani? Yeah, no, I feel the same way. I mean, I think that, again, we all can recognize this in our own behavior in different ways. And for me, it's really come out in being like playing the subservient or support role in all aspects of my life, whether it's with my family, in my career, or especially in my romantic relationships that I've had. It's kind of like, you know, these people that you're here to serve get to do and act however they want, whether or not it's harmful to you and whether or not, you know, you're offended by it or hurt by it, your job is still to serve them and to support them. And it does make me angry also to know that that's a part of our cultural narrative, because when you think about it that way, I also think about the stories of the generations before me. So like my aunties, my grandma, my great grandma, and the relationships that they had also in their own lives and just how that has been passed down is really painful to think about. 
But it is interesting to know that this is where we come from. This is what is written about us. And just like what you said, Nani, I see it in my grandmas. I saw it in my mom. And I always wondered growing up, like, why was I the only one that was like outspoken? Why was I the only one that was questioning things? Mm. Well, it's probably because of our pre-colonial times when women were vocal, when they were standing up for themselves, when they were warriors. And so I'd like to believe that, you know, despite the centuries upon centuries of being colonized, that they're still part of that fight in us. And long and behold, we have been able to have that realized through podcasting. And this paper really talks about the power of podcasting. The fact that, you know, even though it was started by our white counterparts, the intent of it was to give everyone access to exercise their voices and to have their stories being told the way that they want to. And so anyone can start podcasting. Anyone, you can literally get started today for free. And we talked a lot about that in our workshop last Friday, Nani. And it's actually really important to bring this up because another thing is in American society before, you know, podcasting is what it is today. Let's talk a little bit about how Filipinas were taking up space anyway. And you can actually learn more about this in our workshop at PanayPodcasters.com. But, you know, Stacy was sharing this portion. I, I'm totally going to butcher it if I try to explain it. But back then, Nani, we only showed up in gossip columns or in Filipina American pageantry. So I want to see if you had any thoughts on that. Yeah, I think that that is the larger picture that has been painted of Penais and is most definitely problematic. I do also want to recognize that, you know, while that cultural narrative has been put upon us and, you know, we uphold it in, in ways that we don't even realize sometimes, there also is a long history, a long, strong history of activism in Filipino mm-hmm. women, such as Gabriela Silong, which was mm-hmm. probably like the you know, female heroine of Philippine history. If you guys don't know who she is, she's definitely worth learning her story as well. But basically what I'm trying to say is there have been so many ways, you know, there's a history of us being silenced when we do speak up. Those activists that do speak up, even today, you know, you see with the anti-terror law, it's a literal silencing of dissent of anyone who goes against Duterte, basically, who's the current sitting president. And that's problematic because that's so normalized and it's been happening for so many years. And so we need to find new ways, basically, to exercise our voices and be those activists. And podcasting has been that for me. I think when I had first gotten started on this project, I was really involved in local community organizing because that was something that was really important to me. And with this platform that we've built now, obviously it takes up a lot more of my like mental capacity and bandwidth, which is why I spend more of my time here. But it's also, you know, a platform that I can use to achieve the same objective. And so that's really why I'm here today and why I encourage whoever, you know, whether it be you coming on as a guest on this show or starting your own show, I really encourage you to dive into the podcasting space because the more we invest in ourselves, the more we can build that self-sustaining community that's not dependent and not needing that crutch of the systems that are not here to support us. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you, Nani, for saying that. And as I mentioned, if you want to learn a little bit more about how we were perceived at the time, even in the last century, only showing up in gossip columns, or even if we had people speaking out in these columns, they would call it gossip or chismis, which is the Filipino term, and really just minimizing what we have to say. And then, of course, as I mentioned, the Filipino-American pageantry of being only able to show up in that kind of fashion. And so, you know, we are really in just such a unique time in history. The fact that, like I mentioned, anyone can start a podcast, anyone can exercise their voice in this way to be able to, I think, honor our ancestors, Nani, honor our ancestors, our grandmas, our moms, to speak up for them and to tell their story. In addition to that, I want to go ahead and just share. So this is actually some testimonial we didn't get a chance to share (laughs) while we were doing our live workshop, Nani, because we didn't have a lot of time. We were having so much fun just unpacking the Mata (laughs) Clara archetype that I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot. I wanted to make this about our listeners. So I want to give a shout out to Leah Jamin, who has not necessarily been our day one, but she is so engaged in talking to us, especially with me. I don't know about you, Nani, but we send each other audio messages back and forth, like sending each other digital mail just to stay connected and just to talk. And so I'm sharing this just so you all can get an idea of you know, the impact we've made on our show so far. So Leah says, since discovering the Tifa project two years ago, I have gained a strong sense of community healing because of the amazing stories of my Tifa Kumadas. And Nani, real quickly, because I don't remember the definition, can you let us know what Kumadas means? Yeah, it's like sister, endearing friend, what like women call each other. Yes. Thank you. These stories help me cultivate my own voice and the importance of self-care. The Tifa Project also challenges social norms and creates a kapwa-like resistance for inclusivity between our Filipina and American identities. So she said another word again, kapwa. Nani? (laughs) Kapwa is basically at the heart of Filipino psychology. It just means like our shared identity, seeing yourself in the other. And that's really at the heart of why we're so, our culture is so collective. Yeah. And this is why Nani's my co-host, because I always feel like she does more in-depth <laughs> stuff of this. I'm kind of like the questioner. I'm like, well, you tell me, like, what do you think about that? <laughs> Nani, like, like in her writing, in her newsletter, you know, she's always the one writing about this. So this is why I always, I always have to refer to her <laughs> to give me some information on this. Um, so that's a little bit about Leah. So shout out to Leah. Thank you so much for your support. And then also with Giselle, Giselle was actually one of the co-hosts early on when I was doing Facebook Live. And so I thought I'd share her testimony as well, because this is also part of our academic academic paper, panaipodcasters.com. She says, being a brown panai or Filipina has been difficult to navigate, not knowing whether to be fully Filipino or fully American. With Jen and Nani, the podcast, they reassure us that it's okay to be both and reclaim our identity in ways we see fit as we learn who we are and unlearn what we believed about ourselves. I just want to pause there for a second because... That's what I love the most about the show, Nani, is just like what Giselle said, we are reclaiming our narrative. And in a way, like even though we may not want to embody Mata Clara, the way that I see it, Nani, is we are honoring her and we are evolving what it means to be Mata Clara, to be Filipina. Any thoughts on that? Mata Clara is not the villain. She's not the enemy, you guys. She is just, you know, a manifestation of all of the patriarchal kind of expectations that have been pushed upon us. And so, you know, and obviously we've been talking for the last however many minutes about how that has manifested in our own lives in several ways. And, you know, it looks different today than it did back then in the 1800s or whenever he wrote that book, but that it's so strong. It's so um, ingrained still in all of us, even today. And so the importance of evolving what it means to be Filipina is also uh, at the heart of what we do on our podcast. 
at the TIFA project. And we do that with being in community. Basically, we do that just by talking and just by sharing our stories and sharing our experiences of how we're fighting those narratives. Yeah. And just to piggyback off of what you said, uh, to wrap up what Giselle said, both with compassion, they and their guests graciously have the power of storytelling, acknowledge um, both. Sorry, let me say it again. Both with compassion, they and their guests graciously have the power of storytelling, acknowledging there's certainty in growing together as a community and feeling gratefully known. What I love the most about our show so far, Nani, is just being able to come as we are and come together and figure out the verbiage together and the language together to be able to rewrite our narrative. And so I feel very good about that. And I think that's it. I think that's it, Nani. If people want to learn more about our academic paper, I'll go ahead and read it again. Can I podcasters building a self-sustaining community? through storytelling, collective healing and learning and collaboration. You can actually watch the replay of our workshop now at PanaiPodcasters.com. And also our academic paper is also available there for all of you <laughs> to have access to. Before we wrap up, I do want to give a couple of shout outs to some of our people supporting us. So one of the last things I want to say is maybe you're not ready to start a podcast, but you want to support people who are advocating for you that are helping you tell your narrative. And so really what I'm trying to say is if you want to continue to support us, if you want to continue to hear Filipina-led media to support our show at biasboba.com. I got to give quick shout outs to some of the people who've recently donated to our show. So Rachel with Mobile Homegirl actually bought us one cup of boba and said, great presentation, Jen and Nani, in response to the PanayaPodcasters.com that we have here. You're both doing amazing work. And actually, Nani, Rachel is part of the Asian American Podcasters Association. So shout out to you, Rachel. Shout (laughs) out to you, Rachel. Thank you so much. Salamat. Yes. And uh, real quickly, Jennifer Redondo Marquez from the book In Her Purpose, Nani, episode 60, also bought us two cups of boba. And she just said to keep doing what y'all doing. Love you both. (laughs) Oh, love her so much. Yes. That's our other (laughs) ate. Yeah. We have a lot of ates on our show. We just call everyone ates. So that's kind of what we do. And last but not least, we have an upcoming guest. A shout out to Michelle Whirl. Her episode 109 is going to be coming out next Friday, at least at the time of this recording. She also, Nani, bought us a cup of boba oh thank you michelle yeah so we just want to thank you all so much for listening to our show and continuing to support us and like i said if you want to continue to support us as well and continue to support filipina-led media to check us out at biasboba.com to support us in that kind of fashion but with that said i think that's all i have to share nani anything else from you no i think you covered everything Yeah. All right. Well, let me go ahead and wrap up here for our listeners. Once again, we want to thank you so much. We love you all. We appreciate you all. If this conversation moved you in any fashion, just know that you can send us a text or an audio message at 415-484-8329. Again, that's 415-484-8329. That is actually our Google voice number, just in case anyone's ever wondering. Nani and I both received the messages. And so feel free to reach out to us if you just want to say hi or say thank you for, you know, our show or just any thoughts that you have in regards to our conversation today. And obviously, if you want to get a hold of us in any other fashion, you can find us at our website, tfaproject.com. That's T-F-A-W as in the Filipino American Woman Project.com. All right, that's it. With that said, thank you all so much. We love you and we'll chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. We love you. Bye. And scene. <laughs> that was great. Now I have tons of questions. And <clears throat> those of you who are here with us, if you have questions, feel free to unmute or just put them in the chat. Your your choice. Now, okay, so 
First of all, everyone who has been here for this episode, you all have to know that their show is nominated too for a Golden Crane. They are nominees, nominated shows. So that's all the more reason to listen to them. So I want to know about the research. Did you conduct it in a scholarly manner with controls or was it more like surveying and polling? And then how many subjects did you talk to or tell us about the actual research and what format did you follow when you wrote it up? Is it as though it could be in an academic journal or just tell us about that before I jump into my next questions? Oh my gosh. I feel like it was a mix of everything, Nani, right? Like, I mean, we actually, if Stacy was here, she would tell you more about the academic side because she is an academic scholar at UC Davis. She's one of the founding historians at the Bolosan Center over there. And that's a very interesting story in itself, how the Bolosan came to be. They originally were not there in UC Davis. They had to raise a million dollars. I think something about the story, Nani, you can help me with this, but they had to go to the state, get help outside of the school to be granted a million dollars for their center to exist. And so quite fascinating um, to think that, you know, as big of a college that is, how difficult it was for them to even just create a space to do Filipino-American history and research. But we worked closely with her to help us with the formatting, to help with the research, to pull up, to actually source everything. And so if you actually visit PanayPodcasters.com, you could actually go to the bottom of our document and see everything that we research. But it's a collection of, you know, books, articles, and really the help of our scholar friend, Stacy. Yeah, I think a lot of the research, quote unquote, that went into the paper was pulled off of the podcast and pulled off of the interviews that we've had on the podcast. We've interviewed Stacy a number of times who has shared, we call her also our resident historian because yeah. she's always sharing history and cultural context with us on the topics that we talk about. And so a lot of that just came from those conversations that we've already had with her and with other people who also have shared similar information on the show. In addition to that, Jen did a number of interviews or reaching out to other women of color podcasters to get their experience and their kind of two cents on what the podcasting space or what getting involved in the podcasting space was like. Uh, we reached out to a lot of our guests who regularly communicate with us and give us a lot of good, valuable feedback. So we included, you know, we wanted to make sure we included their voices in it as well. And then there was also the kind of research, research part of it where we were pulling like quantitative data to put in, in the beginning of the paper to kind of set the stage for what getting involved in the podcasting space was like and how that has really transformed over the time that we've been here. So it was, yeah, a mix of things. And I think the approach that we took was just dumping all of our thoughts into a Google Doc. And like <laughs> Jen thoughts. said, she doesn't like to write a lot. So she would transcribe her audio. And then I would kind of go back in and expand on the writing part and make it into like one cohesive voice. So it was definitely a process, but there was a lot of different moving parts, I guess, in terms of the research that went into it. 
Yeah. And to also answer your question, Lee, so we could make it into an official academic journal. It's just that talking to Stacy, we would have to keep it, I think, up to 25 pages. Nani, I think is what you said. And so I jokingly said to her, like, oh, we're going to go rogue and we're going to like (laughs) self-publish on Kindle. So that's part of what we want to do because we want to be able to incorporate more stories in it. It's really like the initial draft of what we have so far. But yeah, we really could condense it if we want to. We're just like, well, we want to get it out there to everyone. We don't want it to just be archived you know, at a college, we want other people to be able to read it. And so that's part of the process is it it might be a hybrid of an academic paper, but also a book that we can publish and make accessible to everyone. And so we have a comment. Gillen says you guys are great. And she really resonated with your episode. And thank you for sharing the content that you did today. And I'm fascinated. So I want to know, tell us about Panay. So if you could also, for those watching, share a little bit about Filipino history and culture a little bit. So at the top of it, I was like, oh, Panay, but it's Panay. So tell us what that term is exactly. And then let's go from there because I have other questions. I just want to like jump on these, like I'm fascinated. Yeah, actually, I can just pull from our paper because again, like... (laughs) Go to the source. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to go to the source so I don't butcher this because it's being recorded. So we do have Panay. So let me read the kind of the description for you. So Panay has a particular class and cultural connotation for Philippine X in America. And the reason why we use Philippine X instead of Filipina, Filipino, is because we want to be inclusive with people who maybe don't identify. Maybe they identify as non-binary, for example. Nani, I don't know if you had any other thoughts about the definition Philippine X. I normally use Filipino because that's what I identify with. So I want to make sure that I'm on the Philippine X identity correctly. Yeah, I notice everyone has a different answer to that question on what is the most <laughs> appropriate term. And obviously it depends largely on your own identity politics and how you identify, which is fine. So we do use the X just trying to be abbreviated, but also inclusive, as inclusive as possible. I think it is important to note in pre-colonial times, there was a very different, the Philippines was special since you're asking about the history, the Philippines was really special in in the sense that gender was much more fluid and Mm -hmm. much more accepted. Like women were warriors, they were healers and what is the word medicine healers or whatever, but they were also warriors. And they also took on a lot of tasks that today are seen as, or considered very masculine, the way that they dressed, the things that they did, you know, everything was much more fluid back in those times. And so in a way, the Philippines is a very special place. Pronouns are something that's really like a hot topic today. And everyone wants to put pronouns. Instagram just added it to your profile so you can put your pronouns. But in the Philippines, actually, Sia is pronoun for both he and she. Mm-hmm. So that's a you know stellar example of how fluid gender was back in the pre-colonial times and how that's exemplified through the Tagalog language. Yeah. And then I just wanted to uh, continue reading this because, because, um, okay. So I'm a little bit more about Panay, which is another term for Filipina, but it was traditionally associated with the pioneer generation for Filipinas who migrated to the U.S. during the 20th century. Uh, Panay is also a reflection of being Filipina and working class in America and in the Philippines. Panay imp- implies lower and working class of Filipina women and has been subject or terminology has been misused when describing Western interpretations of Filipina as sexualized fetish. But for this paper, we use Panay to represent 
the diverse and intergenerational of being Filipina in America. So that's a little background. I know there was a lot of terms we use like Filipina, Filipino, Philippine X, uh, Panay, <laughs> but hopefully that gives you an idea. And also just Nani's explanation of Sia, Sia, which means, you know, he or she, or I guess in American terms, they or them. So I hope that helps, gives you some history lesson there, Lee. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And so what I'm gathering is when it's a research project where you jumped into archives and things versus the other type of research paper, which is like sampling and dealing with people and and questioning them to find out certain things. Is that right? I guess it's a good, yeah. I mean, it's definitely not like a super scientific thing where we got like a focus group and asked them certain things. It was more like, you know, like what Nani said earlier, touching base with, you know, our listeners who engage with us all the time to pulling sources like from, you know, books or articles from the past to be able to, you know, reference like why we're in such a unique time today to actually be podcasting and that we really shouldn't take it for granted. I mean, literally right now in the Philippines, you can get killed for speaking your mind and speaking against the government. And so, I mean, I'm almost afraid to even go back to my own motherland because of how much we've disclosed on the show. (laughs) But it's, it's, you know, it goes to show that like we really as Americans, as Asian Americans are in an opportunistic time to exercise our voices. And also with the whole cancel culture going on with social media, I mean, like I haven't heard a podcast show get canceled yet, you know, so that's another opportunity as well, right? Like this is just important to recognize how powerful it is to do this today. It's such a hidden gem. And really that's what this paper is about is acknowledging where we came from as a Filipino culture, as Panay's to the unique opportunity we have today to actually exercise our voices. It's just that like so many of us in a way perceive because of all of this, we sort of think or assume that we still can't speak up. And we are here to say, you can, you can now, and you should like, this is the perfect time to do it. And podcasting is a great place to get started. So I can't emphasize that enough. Enough. And that's part of why we named the paper Panay Podcasters, because we want to normalize the fact that you should exercise your voice. Like this is normal. You can do it. <laughs> you're, you, you know, you're already taking up space. So just own it and own it with pride. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And we have a question from Sapphire. So there you go, Sapphire. Hello. Great job, ladies. Hi, Sapphire. Um, hi. Hi, <laughs> Sapphire. Good to see you both again. Yes, uh, good to so see much, you. Uh, I've been on your show twice. And yes, each time, like, you both do your research. You're both so eloquent and amazing. And I just love that. I just love knowing you. So that's not my question. Um, <laughs> so... You do such a great job of engaging your community to, or like inspiring people to share your voice, like on a broader scale, like with the world. And me as a Filipino American woman who still struggles to have really difficult conversations with my parents or members of my family, I'm curious to know if you have any advice for engaging in like a smaller, intimate setting like that, because I find I'm an adult and I still struggle with, you know, talking to my parents about certain things. Do you have any advice? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so at our workshop, we gave some call to actions at the end of our presentation. And part of it is starting that conversation with yourself, like having this kind of research, knowing where you come from to have that conviction and almost like anger (laughs) to be like, why am I sweeping things under the rug? Why, (laughs) you know, like, why do I keep doing this? And so I think part of it is having that conversation with yourself and then having conversations with people that you trust. So, I mean, Nani, you can speak a little bit about this because, you know, you wanted to individuate yourself from your family for some time to explore your identity. And um, sometimes you don't have to disclose this stuff to your family just yet. So Nani, I thought you'd want to have some thoughts on that. 
Yeah, I definitely was podcasting for over a year before I let any of my family even know. Like I literally hid it from them and blocked them on social media so that they couldn't see (laughs) because I didn't want their two cents. You know, I feel the same way. I think that you are trying to describe there's just certain topics that you just don't go there, you know, and if you do, you know what kind of response to expect. And so I think there's a certain level of respect that you have to have for that and a curiosity that you have to to lead with, to want to understand where does that unwillingness to have this conversation come from? Where does that, you know, wall that they feel the need to put up so badly and so quickly, where does that come from? And doing your own research and learning our cultural narrative and the context of our history. And a lot of that, that was kind of my journey in understanding Like with my grandpa, for example, growing up, I would always try and pull information and pull stories and ask him questions. And I just had this such a strong desire to connect to my Filipino identity through his story. And he never wanted to share it. And so after he passed away, I really dove deep into community organizing, this podcast, just learning about our history outside of the context of what he had shared with me or what other people in our family shared with me. And that gave me a lot of background and a lot of, it explained so much that he wasn't able to, you know, and even though I never got to have those conversations with him or with my grandma, because they both passed now, I feel like kind of at peace with all the things that I wanted to know, because I did that research on my own. And if you are lucky enough to you know, I also feel that same way about my dad. There are certain things that just like, I feel like fly over his head. He's not willing to be open-minded to have the discussions about. And it was really through sharing this podcast with him after I had been doing it over a year that he was like, oh, wow, you know, and started binge listening to my conversations, Jen and I's conversations with each other and with other people. And it's really opened the floor for a lot of things that we weren't able to talk about before, or a lot of things that he would just go, you know, I don't know, or I don't care about before. And so I think leading with curiosity for where they're coming from and the context that informs uh, how they respond, but also sharing where you're coming from in a way that's not, you know, trying to push any type of agenda or make them uncomfortable, basically just sharing. Yeah. And then the last thing I want to add on to that is one thing we learned in a lot of the stories, Nani and Sapphire, is that a lot of our relatives have experienced a lot of trauma, you know, immigrating over here. Yeah. That they don't want to talk about their stories because it's almost like having them open up old wounds. Yeah. And so there's part reasons of- for those walls. Yeah. And so part of why we do what we do is we can at least give you a temporary space to be able to exercise your voice or learn from our community. Because sometimes you just have to like, even for me, I'm estranged to a lot of my family members, but I still feel so in touch with being Filipina because of a show like this, because there are people who wanted this. And sometimes we just have to learn that, you know, sometimes that rejection from our family is redirection toward, you know, another community that could really fulfill that need that you're looking for, you know, to find those answers. It may not be through the family, unfortunately, but also just like what we're saying to acknowledge the fact that maybe the reason why the walls are up, like Nani said, is because of that traumatic experience. And so, you know, rather than kind of hitting this brick wall to be like, well, maybe we can go around it through other outlets, through other communities. In the meantime, we've definitely have guests where or we've definitely had listeners where I can think of some in mind, twin 
twins, Nadia, you know, which ones I'm talking about where they're estranged from each other, but now they're talking again because of the podcast, they get to talk, they don't talk to each other, but they talk about the podcast and that's powerful. And just like what Nani said, how her family didn't know about the show after I think 55 episodes later, <laughs> from what I recall, <laughs> and now they're just supporting us, like even financially with, you know, with biasboba.com. And so if not them, sometimes it's okay to go in a different direction. So, and you just never know that they may come back again and say, Hey, I was listening to your conversation. I was listening to your podcast and, you know, and then maybe that could be the door to a conversation. So anyway, I hope that's helpful, Sapphire. Very helpful. Yes. Thank you so much. Cool. <laughs> I talk and then I press the mute button too quickly and then it mutes me again. Sorry about that. <laughs> But I have more questions. Can I ask yeah. more questions? Um, I know Nani has to jump off in a bit. So Nani, just feel okay. free to hop off when yeah. you can. But I'm happy to answer the questions. Yeah, okay. no, go go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So you said something about gossip columns. Yes. Expand on that. What I like, I'm I'm like, what? What yeah, what's what what is what tell us? So just real briefly here, I'm just gonna pull up my notes because this was the portion that Stacy talked about for us. So this was like in the 1930s, there was a particular column she talked about written by a, a Filipina who on the article it mentioned she calls herself Miss Spotter instead of her actual name. And part of that is because she really like pointed out things against, let's say, her male counterparts or even just American society as a whole. And even though she was very articulate and critical, people would write her off as, oh, you're just being angry. You're just being, you know, you're just, this is just gossip. Like this isn't real. And, and Nani, feel free to help me with this. But like people minimized this writer, Miss Potter, despite the fact that she was very articulate and eloquent in calling out the society for what it was at the time. Yeah. So basically just, you know, as we've tried to exercise our voices over time, we've just been pushed into these spaces that are either based around chismas, like gossip columns or pageantry, like Jen had mentioned earlier too, to kind of push us into that box of the ideal Filipina that's supposed to be, you know, physically intact and, you know, devoted and subservient and et cetera, et cetera. Because if they were to write a newspaper article about us expressing our thoughts on activism or what was happening in the, you know, Marcos regime, for example, that would be a no-no. That's a cultural no-no. And so you see that even like with the the example of Maria Ressa today, which is, she's kind of like the face, the owner of Rappler. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the news source, the Filipino news source Rappler, but they are really, really progressive and try and push back against those dissent laws, basically, that still exist in the Philippines and that kind of authoritarian dynamic that the Philippine government has with its people. And she's really such an example of why free journalism is so important today, you know, not just for the actual journalists reporting news, but for people like us to express our voice on a podcast. And while that does come with, with a certain amount of danger, even for us here in the States, like Jen said, she would be nervous to go back to the Philippines today because of everything that we've talked about I feel the same way. You know, I've I've hidden blog posts that I've written, only made them public for like a week or so because I'm scared of the exact same thing. And it's a it's a real thing. I know people that it's happened to, you know, they go over there and as soon as they get off the plane, they're being followed, they've been arrested and the laws are different there, you know, when you're when you're over there, you really need to be careful if you're someone that's been 
yapping a lot (laughs) and expressing your opinions. And so historically, we've been pushed into these spaces of just being chismosa, like gossip gossipers or uh, beauty pageants or, you know, for example, I always am curious about, like I said, my grandma who had passed, what her thoughts on all these things were. And recently I found out that she was in a newspaper article and I was so hungry to read it. And it was a newspaper article about a baby shower that she threw for someone and how elaborate it was and how, you know, what a good, good job she did. And I was like, why is this of all things in the newspaper, (laughs) you know, but that's an example of just the, the spaces that we've been pushed to in media and in the, the public eye. Mm-hmm. So uh, wrapping up, because I know you said you you have to go. One, the fact that you are using your real names is really amazing. It means you're standing behind the work that you're doing and paving the way for others to be brave too, to be brave as well. So that is something that you should really be proud of in and of itself that you're doing this work. Then the second thing is, from your research, and I know you're going to, and you know, that's a great thing, repurpose, repurpose, right? Turn it into a book, do everything. What are some practical takeaways that you want people to do or have after interacting and connecting with your research? And, and it can be as simple as I want them to do X, Y, Z, or this is what I want for people who connect with our material. What, what would those things be? Yeah. I mean, definitely the first thing is to have this conversation with yourself, even if it's journaling or acknowledging that, you know, rather than being afraid of taking up space or being afraid of questioning these things, because again, you know, that fear is valid. It comes from a place of you're protecting yourself. You're surviving because again, as we mentioned the Philippines, you can get killed for talking like this, you know? And so, but not just shutting it off once you're afraid to speak up, but to actually have that conversation, that dialogue in your head to be like, why am I afraid? Where is this coming from? And then from there, again, just being able to be in conversation with other people who maybe align with, you know, what your own curiosity, hence why we have the show and why we've been going on going 100 episodes strong is because we have more and more feedback. I mean, we get like, I mean, Nani, we get like novels of emails. Like, like people don't just say thanks for the show. They give us paragraphs of why they love the show, how much has impacted them. And so, you know, first starting that conversation with yourself and then having it with people that give you that safe space. And then my take is going public with it, not just, not like social media public, but like being in your local community and exercising your voices in organizations or, you know, things locally where you can make a difference, where your voice can be heard. And then of course, supporting the media outlets that you want to amplify the ones that you want to continue to support you and advocate for you. So that's very much like the main call to actions that I had mentioned in our presentation last Friday. Nani, any additional thoughts, any other main takeaways that you want to share? Yeah, I think the two that are most prominent for me are speaking up in the circles, you know, exercising your voice in the circles where you actually have impact, meaning Mm -hmm. like the conversations that you actually have with people, not just posting things on social media that someone will either read or not read, or just want to attack you for because X, Y, and Z, whatever, but in actual one-to-one conversations that you have with people in and outside of your community to shed that light on our experience and also to put your money where your mouth is. You know, you have to go grocery shopping, you have to buy clothes, you have to buy personal care items, 
there are, you can be intentional with where you shop and where you support. And that's, that's really how we build a self-sustaining community is by doing that and being mindful of where we invest, not only our time and energy, but also, you know, our money, our hard-earned money. (laughs) Yeah. And absolutely. And so how will people be able to get your research? Will you be selling it? Will you be offering it as a download? How do people find out about it? And then where do people reach you? And then I have one more question after that. Very simple. Yeah. Well, well, thanks, Lee. Thanks for the extra time, BT Dubs. <laughs> yeah. So anything you want to learn about the academic paper, you could actually read it right now at panipodcasters.com. So it's when you visit that page, it'll actually bring you to our biasboba.com, but it's a page in the page, page in a page, page on the site. But anyway, you could actually read it right now and we're going to always make it free and accessible. Like we'll continue to give the updates when we do have it in book form. Nani and I have already discussed this so I can share. And we talked to Stacy about this already, but if you do want to, you know, support us financially, part of the proceeds for that book will go toward the Bulosan Center. So again, this is the research center that we've been working closely with. We wouldn't have this paper possible if it wasn't for Stacy and encouraging us to do this, but we want to be able to support them because they're actually in a process right now to branch away from UC Davis with all the politics, unfortunately, that's going on in the school system. And so they want to be just like us. They want to be self-sustaining too. So we want to make sure that we support them. So whatever proceeds we make from the book, like I mentioned, is going to go directly to them. If you support us directly through biasboba.com, obviously we'll get part of it, but we want to give a part of the portions to them as well. So yeah, panipodcasters.com, it's available right now. (laughs) And uh, you'll get to see the imperfectness of it because it's still in its initial draft, but you'll also get to see the progression of it as it gets better. And as we, you know, work toward making it into a published book. Nice. And so that actually leads me to my comment and then a question, which is, it sounds like you all are doing some work that maybe would call for a nonprofit foundation type of thing, huh? Mm -hmm. I mean, I really want to support Stacy. to be quite honest. I was even telling her like, Hey, do you want to make a podcast? I'll show you how to do it. You know, like, can you guys, like, I kind of want to like band with them, you know? And, and so, yeah, but I mean, you know, Nani and I talk about this all the time in regards to like the direction of our show and how we want to give back and stuff like that. But I mean, that's, we're not against it. You know, like we, we haven't really talked specifically about a nonprofit, but we are in the process of wanting to continue to make this very self-sustaining and in regards to the legality side of it and the paperwork, that's still part of our to-do list to go over, but it's a good suggestion, Lee, and I appreciate you bringing it up. (laughs) Sure, sure. And then Carol says that this is such a great podcast and she thanks you for the amazing love and work you're all doing to carve out the space for the Philippine X, is that right? Community. (laughs) And on that note, uh, Jen, you had mentioned outside of today's festival, something important. And I would love for you to have a moment to share that too, because this is Memorial Day weekend. Mm-hmm. And our military is a very important part of this country. And so if you would like to share a few words and talk about that for a moment, it would be fantastic. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's very kind of you. And um, Nani, don't feel like you have to stay on just, <laughs> just so you know. Yeah. Well, no, thank you. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. So a little bit more about my story. I'm a gold star daughter. And if you don't know what that is, it basically means that you lost a family member while they were in the military. And for me, that was my dad. I lost him when I was 10. He was about 18 years in service. And even till this day, 20 years later, you can do the math of my age now, you know, we don't know what happened to him. His death certificate said that his death was undetermined or that he may have drowned. He was in the U.S 
US Navy. And so the military community is really extremely important to me. I actually have an award-winning podcast show called Holding Down the Fort. And the website is holdingdownthefortspodcast.com. And it's really an opportunity to honor our military families. And so this entire month, actually, actually last month, April, was known as the month of the military child. And so it's just bringing light to, you know, when you think about the military, often you think about soldiers, you think about, you know, you think about who's going to war for us, who's protecting us, or who's showing up at January 6th, right? But you don't think about the kids. You don't think about their families that they come home to, their spouses that they come home to. And that's what this show is about. And so so April was about month of the military child. May is actually month of, what do you call it? Military Appreciation Month. So this entire month, it's been about, you know, honoring our military families and service members. But this particular weekend, Memorial Day weekend, is all about honoring the military service members that we've lost. And so, you know, I just want you all to take this time, even, you know, today to be able to, you know, reach out to a veteran, reach out to a spouse, a military spouse, reach out to, you know, even if you are a child, even if you were a military child, I know a lot of kids in the Filipino community come from the military, such as myself. And so just being able to appreciate yourself and appreciate, you know, the sacrifices that your parents made to bring you here. I wouldn't be American if my dad didn't join the military. I come from a family of farmers and they would have very much have been okay staying farmers. But my dad's dad was like, nope, you got to go. You got to go to join the Navy. You got to give a better life to your family. I mean, unfortunately, he made the, the ultimate sacrifice. So, yeah. So thank you, Lee, for just letting me be able to talk about this and, you know, bring light to our military community. They are more than just protecting us. You know, they're protecting their loved ones, their kids. And a lot of us are impacted by that. And we should take a moment to appreciate, you know, the reason why we have freedom of speech is because we have people such as our military community protecting us. So thanks, Lee. Thanks for letting me say that. No, thank you. And and if you're watching and you're in the military, you're a veteran, thank you for your service. And <laughs> it is Memorial Day weekend here in the U.S. anyway. So with that, ladies, again, thank you so much. And Nani, I know you've stayed on longer than, than you, you know, I, I get it. But really, thank you for being part of this inaugural historical or history making Asian podcast festival. We, we've done it. You've done it. I'm still here, but you have done it. <laughs> yes. Salamat kayo. Thank you so much for having us. I do have so, to drop, but it was so nice to speak with everyone today. And thank, thank you, you for being here. Thanks, Nani. Talk to you later. Love you. Love you. Bye. (laughs) And Jen, you can put in the chat and and say again where people can hear this particular episode and what's coming up next for your show. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, I gave I already gave all the call to actions and my camera's blurry all of a sudden. That's great. Yeah, I mean, really, we're just going to continue to do what we do. We're just going to continue to show up. Like if anyone ever says like, what's one advice you can give to anyone? I just say, show up. show up and show up consistently because, you know, it's so interesting when people are amazed by what we do. And I'm just like, Nani and I just show up every weekend. Like we, we make it a point to, you know, record and all these things. And if you can just show up and show up consistently, like you'll be surprised at the support you'll get, the response you'll get from just doing that. So anyway, PanayPodcasters.com or TFAWproject.com. That's it. And just Google Jen Amos. I'm sure you'll find me. (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, no, I'll put it in the chat as well. But thanks again, Lee, for this opportunity to, to talk as long as we did. That was, I, I really oh, do appreciate you. that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. No, and you know, for those of you watching either now or later, the whole thing of showing up is so true. You know, life, I, I tell folks life, it, nine tenths of it is just showing up. And when I was a teacher, I would tell my kids, I feel like I've said this before. Have I said this before? Which is, you know what? Even if you don't do your homework, come to class because you're going to get something out of it. And it's more important that you're in class and you're here and you're present than whether you did the assignment, even though as a teacher, you want them to do their homework, right? <laughs> and the thing is, you know, Jen showed up when we had a call. Yes, bringing it back to AAP. When we had the call for Golden Cream Podcast Awards, she showed up. So now she's got a designation of nomination, a nominated show on award nominated show on her logo, for example. And really, you just never know what's going to happen. And so whenever you get an invitation to go somewhere, just show up because here's the thing. You can always go home. But how many times have we shown up somewhere and something wonderful happened? And so on that note, absolutely. Thank you, Jen, for showing up here today. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you. And thanks everyone for being a part of this. It's yes. been great. Thanks for organizing this, obviously. So this wouldn't be possible if you didn't organize no, it. So. Thank you. And make sure to yeah. save the chat. If for those of you who are save the chat, you know how to save the chat, you go to the chat and you go all the way to the far right and you click on the three dots and it'll stay at the top, save chat. And that's what you should be doing because there've been so many nuggets. And so with that, it's, uh, we are concluding the slot for the Filipino American Woman Project with Jen Amos and Nani Dominguez. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>